to Minority Corner, where we take an introspective look at the world through an intersectional lens. I'm James, he, him, his. I'm a queer, political, actor, activist, comedian, cancerian, self-proclaimed, sexy blurred. That's a uh, black nerd. And each week, I'm joined in the corner by another fabulous minority where we tackle the news, pop culture, politics, media, history, and more, all with a little self-care and self-love sprinkled throughout. This week, I'm joined by... Hey, I'm Avi Roque. I'm Latinx, trans, non-binary, queer. I'm an actor and an artist based in Los Angeles. I love taking walks and being outside in nature, especially right now, but still safely with a mask. A beer boy at heart who finally brewed their own beer with an at-home brewing kit uh, that my lovely, beautiful, wonderful girlfriend got me for my birthday. Uh, It's a West Coast IPA, so I cannot wait. I'm bottling it this weekend. Well, it's a pride celebration, or as we like to call it around here, a queer Christmas. And honestly, I couldn't imagine a better person to have here on the show for our pride in place. And here we are gathering around to watch the new classics, the new Pride classics, since we can't be out there celebrating out in the streets, but that's not going to stop us from having a Pride experience. So I finally caught up on Pose season two. It's given me all the feels we discuss, because honestly, that coupled with the Netflix documentary Disclosure both shows really highlighting the journey and struggles and stories of trans POCs who really are the pillars of the queer liberation movement and have really been pushed aside. And it's really beautiful to see their stories coming towards the forefront and are really the folks that we really need to be fighting for. Speaking of, in honor of Pride, we dive into the life and story of the mother of the movement herself. We are going to talk about the iconic Marsha P. Johnson. We've talked about her briefly on the show before years ago, about five years ago we did. This year we are going deeper into the story of Marsha P. Johnson, her origin story, who she was, why she should be celebrated, and more, and what happened to her. Also, I have a theory as to why so many class presidents are queer. Why the politician on Netflix is just not queer enough for pride as far as I'm concerned. And find out what happens when someone leaves me in charge of a gender reveal. (laughs) Ha ha ha! I mean, come on, I think gender's a construct, so uh, I'll tell you all about how that worked out. Plus, Band-Aids finally now with more skin tones. Everybody has finally realized that Aunt Jemima is a racist stereotype caricature mascot, and why I might finally be tuning into NASCAR. Mm-hmm. The answer is both activist and sexy. You know how we like it here. Avi also really opens up throughout the episode about their own journey of self-doubt and insecurity and their journey of growing into their full self and trans identity. All this and so much more right here on Minority Corner Pride Parade. Here we go. Happy Pride! Happy 
right. Get the boas. Oh, the boas. Well, I'm curious about your pride sounds. What was that? I don't know what that was. Was that? I'm curious as to what that was. I was nervous. I was nervous to be too hot for the mic with my vocal sounds. So I did it. I thought you can be as hot as you want. I want you to be as like you because you are. It's pride, and there is one thing that I love about pride is you get to be hot. You know. Yeah. Or not. Mm, mm, you feel uh, you uh, do uh, you. So this is great. Mm, mm, oh, mm, you're giving uh, me the uh, house. You're giving me <laughs> some house realness. You give me some house realness. Okay. Happy Pride. How do you Happy feel Pride. about our shelter in place pride situation going down? How do you feel? I feel I just feel strange and yeah. like just so what is this? Mm-hmm. What is out of body? No, that sounds a little intense. Um, no, I just be. feel... It could it be. It could be. Because it's a lot... Listen, there's a lot that's happening. It's a 1918 pandemic. It's the Great Depression and the Civil yeah. Rights Movement all happening yeah. at the same time. You know? Exactly so it is, right. And they're used to... Like, there is... Pride's usually this... I mean, to me, it's Queer Christmas. It is, like, my Queer right. Christmas. Which is, like, why, like... I just jumped into Pose Season 2. Mm-hmm. I haven't seen... I Have you seen... You've seen Season 1, right? I feel like yes. we've had this conversation. Yes. Yes. So I loved season one and season two kicks it up like even more notches. Wow. I feel like the conversations around. So you know, like around Christmas, you watch like, you know, Christmassy movies. And I feel like around Pride, like now more than ever, because there is no outdoor sort of Pride celebration. So it's like I'm making sure the media I'm taking in. And it's been it made my birth. I celebrated my birthday and I pretty much just watched Pride, I watched not Pride, might as well as be called Pride, Pose, season two. And the themes that I think it just does so well of just, it takes the themes of like, specifically like, you know, queer people of color, specifically trans women of color, and the, like and and the AIDS crisis in the eighties and the nineties and you know ballroom culture, it takes it up even several more notches. Like they've removed that sort of like white character. Evan Peters is gone, so which is nice because I mean I feel like he was the vehicle for like white people to get to enter into this world. Mm. You know, like oh we feel safe, he's here, so we can be here too. And now it's none of that, and it's just these characters and. I mean, you'll feel all the feels. The writing is so... And then because I feel like there's people, like trans folks behind the camera who are writing, Janet Mock's directing a lot of the the shows and doing a lot of the writing, and it feels authentic. And get the tissue boxes ready. They do things. I don't want to spoil anything, but like you're not ready. And I feel like it's interesting because I feel like you see what this community has experienced and seeing these stories that are, you know, the pioneers of the queer movement who have gotten little attention and and, and focus and seeing hearing what they're seeing their stories and then also seeing how like, well, there's still some of these issues that they're having, you know, to experience and go through that, you know, they're uh, they're, you know, killed at a disproportionate rate, you know, as we've seen with the Black Trans, Trans Lives Matter protests, um, you know, some of them are sex workers because it's the only work that they could, you know, get at the time and the importance of having a house like. It, like you know why they have you know barroom cultures they have houses and they become you know there's a mother of that house and they create their family because you know they've had to create these things so anyways it takes all the themes from last season kicks it up several notches you're gonna laugh you're gonna cry it's so good i cannot wait that sounds very thrilling <laughs> um and yes it is something i'm going to watch for sure I- without a doubt 
I was watching, and this may be controversial, and we don't have to talk about this if you don't want to, but I was watching The Politician, which I know you kind of had an audition for. Oh my for. gosh, oh my gosh, stop, <laughs> stop, stop it. I, but I do not bring I had started to watch the what well, Avi had was in the running for a role of the politician. I was not yes, in the running. Yes, you were. I'm going to Dina Lohan you. Did you, I didn't have an audition. I wasn't up for a role well, of the politician. James, you wouldn't have auditioned <laughs> for the role that I auditioned for. No, but I'm just saying, like, you were more in the running to be in the politician than I was. Like, you had an audition, your name was, your name was in the room, you were in the room. You were we there. don't know if I, we don't know. You know how you those were things in, go. As far as I know, I was Anyways, almost on it. I started watching it, but you know, it's interesting. It just wasn't queer enough for me anymore. Like the lead character, I don't think is queer anymore. Interesting. It's very interesting. It's gone a different direction. They still have other queer characters, but so I had to press pause on it because I was like, "This is not queer enough for me right now," and I need queer queer town USA as pride. Interesting. Yeah. Is this too much to say? But I. I'm just really not interested because when I see their promo, it's just yeah. of the people. Yes. It, it, they're all white. They're all white. There's one uh, character of color. She's uh, She plays like a black lesbian. Okay. And that's it. <laughs> but it's interesting. You're, you're right. It's so interesting. I think you bring up a really interesting point. It's Ryan Murphy. Actually, some of the same directors, I mean, working, he creates such this world and this environment, you know? Um, and he uses a lot of the same people. In fact, this is not a spoiler because it's Pose and this is what happens. There is a character that is that does die Pose season two. You won't even know who it is because it could be any of them because the, the world that they live in is so dangerous. Mm-hmm. And so this is not a spoiler. Um, mm-hmm. You won't know what's going to happen. And now I know why one of those actresses was, was on a different show of his. And what I do appreciate is that Ryan Murphy found a new place for her. So it wasn't like he was just going to, you know, because we see queer people die all the time. And he does it in such a beautiful way where their story gets told, they get to tell their story a little bit more. And then what I like as uh, behind the scenes, he gives them work in a different arena, like kills you off to tell this part of the story, but you still have work over here. But then it's weird because then you go to like Ryan Murphy also is doing The Politician and it's, just not as interesting when you talk about diversity. Like, but there is like, you know, I think there's a non-binary character on there. There is a lesbian on there. There, The lead was gay. I don't know that he is now. Judith Light is on there and Bette Midler. So these, you know, gay icons. But mm-hmm. um, you're right. I totally will understand why you're like, I'm obsessed with politics, which is why I love, you know, the shows okay. like that. Like, it reminds me of me in high school. Like, I was class president. I was resident for every year, except sophomore year. Took a break, sabbatical. I love power. I loved I, it. I hear you. I hear you. And that is so funny that I'm like, politics? Because we share that in common, you know. I was we, class president freshman year, sophomore year, junior year. And uh, student body president in senior yes. year. Yeah, we totally do. Yes. I don't even know how that happened. Well, I do. You got my vote. Because well, you, you because because you care. You're charismatic. People you have a voice. People want to follow you. And mm. but now it seems like you're not as engaged. Like you're I would consider you an activist. I don't you, know. I feel like okay. I pulled back. I think I mm. went back into this shell where I started. I mean, let's not get deep into it, but like, oh, I we like can. I it's up to you. Experiencing a lot of, <laughs> a lot of self doubt, a lot sure. of insecurities, just like really surfacing. You know, it's just kind of like once I've come into this person, like I've done yeah. this transformation of myself to find this transness to claim that 
to say I'm non-binary and I'm queer and to like do all these things yeah. medically, socially yeah. to feel like I am me. Yes. But then there's all these other things that I feel like I did not fully maybe address or really sure. dig into that yeah. made me a fuller person. Mm. Like mm-hmm. so much of my existence and survival was in like ingrained in my sexuality and in my gender identity. Totally. So it's like, whoa, wait a second. Like, I yeah. feel like I'm an activist. Sure. But yeah, I also don't right now. Mm. I feel like I kind of took a little bit of a step back. Um, well, I mean, from the outside perspective, like, I would say, of course, you got to put your oxygen mask on first. You, sure. like, it's, I would imagine, it's almost like a tornado going on on the inside, you know, like a mm. hurricane. There's a thing, there's a lot of it's transformative. Mm. There's so much going on on the inside. And your own, it's a lot. And then it's the outside pressures and da-da-da. So, of course, like, if you're not, I would understand why that setback is happening. I would totally, 100% understand, because right. you have to, again you're trying to breathe yourself, right? Right, You know? So I think that makes sense. And a high rate, I don't have the numbers or data, I just have my own anecdotal evidence for this. Mm -hmm. But it does happen a lot that actually queer folks do end up being class presidents and such. Interesting. I think it's very interesting, yeah, like, or valedictorians, is this sort of uh, peacocking that tends to happen, or in a way of just sort of like, um, we know that we're having this inner conflict inside of however it's happening, right? And whatever form it is. And it's sometimes sort of like, I got to prove it's already, it's ingrained in us. I absolutely, but there's also this extra bit of pushing in a way to get love, right? Like I am worthy. I look at me, I can lead, I can step up. I, I can do all these great, amazing things. I am worthy of love and trying to prove that because on the inside, or we're afraid that if whatever, maybe we don't even know fully what's going on on the inside, but we're afraid that what it is, if someone sees it, we won't be lovable. But if we're already class president, they can't take that away. Like, hello, look what we're able to accomplish. Like, and so it's like almost proving that we are, you know, like not you know normal everybody kind of has this aspiration to at first sort of like fit in to be loved um but i think that there's a there's a there's a reasoning behind that i think that kind of follows that oh my goodness you just spoke to and described <laughs> my high school self that's so true uh, yeah it's true i I, yeah. mean, I distinctly remember that like yeah. going into high school being like i need to conform and i need to be this and i need to be that mm-hmm. and i need to be liked and mm-hmm. i need to be everyone's friend and great like it's yeah. armoring you know it, what it is oh, this it's peacock how we survive oh, like, yeah. yeah i love yeah you're so right it's armoring it's part of our survival instinct because we're so scared on the inside because of the images that we grew up with that we know it kind of goes was like uh, i really recommend the documentary uh disclosure that laverne cox just recently yes. did again if you're looking for pride programming it did you ever see the celluloid closet no oh it is a must so it reminds me of sort of the new cellular closet because what the cellular closet does it's a documentary i feel like it came out in the 90s or the 2000s or something but it essentially goes through like um queer representation so why do you like like queer representations in media and like where it all came from and how it has sort of evolved and and why people think about 
you know, queer people in a certain way. Um, it mainly kind of focused on, like, I would say gays and lesbian, but, like, why, you know... It, uh, Disney villains seem to have sort of like gay characteristics about them, right? You know, like Ursula or even Gaston or Jafar, right? A lot of times the, the villain in the Maltese Falcon, like they're foppish, they're flamboyant, effeminate, you know? And so what ends up happening is you start associating gay, bad, right? Villain. Oh, that. And so when you see those mannerisms in somebody else, so that's the celery closet. And Disclosure takes it a step forward of just specifically talking about just the trans community. And it's. It, I'm, it was just such an amazing, cause like you and I are both in, in media and storytelling and it's how people want to see themselves reflected. And it's also how we learn about other people. Like so Hollywood is the most powerful place on the planet. It tells who's attractive or whose stories are worth being told or who tells what version of history. Right. And you know, the, one of the first was and the same guy who did birth of a nation, is also, you know, in showing that, like, ooh, and where we get the stereotype of, like, the scary black man, and, you know, and it was done in blackface, and he's going to come and, like, rape all the white women, da-da-da. That same director is also the same director that had the first uh, trans person, like, quote-unquote, right? And so the way that it was depicted, and it was, you know, there's something wrong with them, and and so that same, it's interesting how there's that intersectional sort of uh, crossover there with that same director. Anyways, but the documentary disclosure, it... So many different stories are, are sort of told in it. You know, only 80% of Americans don't know, 80% of Americans don't even know a trans person. Right, wild to, yeah, I, my head couldn't even, I, <laughs> like, I've got plenty. You come meet my folks over here, okay? <laughs> I've got some people to introduce you to. Um, but it just wow. goes through, like, the history of, you know, seeing people on, you know, uh, Jerry Springer or where, you know, just hearing, you know, trans folks' experience of seeing have their fears of see of how things were being portrayed and how trans people are being mm. portrayed. I mean, their own evolution, even seeing people's evolution, like Oprah Winfrey, when she first was asking questions, like really inappropriate detailed questions. to now, and she's interviewing Janet mock and just seeing how like, you know, people can grow in their evolution and understanding things. And it comes from the media representations and some of the first sort of pioneers. So I, I highly recommend it. I, you'll feel all the feels you'll, I feel like when you understand trans folks and, and trans people of color, you understand the queer community. They're literally the pillar of the community, the bedrock of the community. And yet the stories we've not been hearing for the longest time. Uh, well, as a trans person, I will also watch that. <laughs> no, it is. It is on my it is on my list for sure. It is. It's I've got a list, you know. You oh, gotta, yeah. I guess keep having to do it. You got you know, to keep adding. There was something that was really interesting. You said about armor. And this is talked about in the documentary that Laverne Cox had said because she, you know, especially in the black community, you'd see comedians who would dress up as women and it'd be the, the punchline. Because there's also this thing in the black community of you know, black men were hyper uh, masculine, hi had to be hyper masculine, hyper, you know, uh, for the movement, right? They were also hyper sexualized by white media. Mm -hmm. And to put them in a dress is like the most like, you know, oh, that's so funny because it's so the opposite of what you expect them to sort of be. Right. And again, like, oh, being a woman, isn't that hilarious, you know? So they're demasculinized and desexualized in one fell swoop. So then what it takes is that so Laverne Cox would be her full self and she would get laughed at on the subway, right? People thought she was just being funny, right? She was just being herself. So, so she then leaned into it even like harder of like, I'm going to be the most sexy, beautiful woman 
and it was her armor, right? Because you're not gonna laugh at me. You're gonna be like, oh damn, who's that, right? Mm. And there was this con- and so there's a debate I think that was they were talking about in the documentary about how you know sometimes like so there's you know some trans women will be so over just where sort of ideas of like femininity sort of come from. So you have like the so trans women will try to look like the let's say like you know the the Kardashians or something right like just super but the Kardashians who does their makeup and their and their clothes right or these like you know celebrities who die it's a lot of like gay men who are uh you know creating their makeup and their style right but then those styles you take it back even further those styles are coming from sort of the the drag culture or the ballroom scene where they maybe first originated that uh from uh but even that that comes from sometimes the sex workers right who needed to go out there and compete to try to um get men so that they could work because again for a lot of trans women there's not a lot of work for them to be able to do aside from that you know um and but they're getting these ideas of like this old hollywood so just interesting because a lot of like the ideas of like femininity and like what women look like it comes from like queer people have designed that it's so interesting yeah, I just feel like this whole construct of like putting putting things on and like mm. our obsession with like femininity and masculinity and like what that looks like, but it is like we are doing that like you said for survival. It is yeah. to like it is in some way to blend in and on saying that it's like trans women that's not my lived experience. I right. don't know that and that there is this thing around like passing and like stealth and, Mm -hmm. and it is, I have a privilege for me, like doing the trans masculine route of like, I am passing. I am stealth. People are he, him, sir, even though again, right. It's like, I'm non-binary, but it's cool. Cause I get it. I get it. Yeah. Um, but on the flip side, it's like, that's not that is not a privilege for a lot of trans women yeah and you know it's it's just i don't know it's something that i become more aware of sure and then at the end of the day it's just i mean it's such a fucking you know construct they actually do talk about like uh there's such few even less representations of uh trans men or even non-binary people and so they talk about just sort of that invisibleness because there's something about the female form can be commodified. It can be objectified more so mm-hmm. than the, you know, and so I think that's another reason why you just don't even see it as much, but it's also like, you know, it's a fucking construct. Like, I don't know. The other day I was doing this huge father's day zoom event. And as I like to do, put on a show for the family, gather around, let's do it. And, um, my brother wanted to do a, like, you know, he asked the wrong person for this. He's having a baby. He was like, I want to do a gender reveal. And I'm just like, I roll. <laughs> I wish you could see Avi's face is like, Ugh. so <laughs> I did. a. I was like, well, this is dumb. And so essentially what I did is I, you know, that music from uh 2001 space odyssey. It's like, dun, 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 yes. dun, dun, dun. Bum, 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 bum. So I just have like on an all black screen with dramatic movie trailer lettering coming at the screen. Letters, words coming up. I'm like, this is a gender reveal. And then it's a white screen. And then I'm like, 
was that helpful? And then it's like blue and pink, written in blue and pink. And then I'm like, how about this? And like all different kinds of colors. And then it flashes <laughs> purple. And then there's like a rainbow, but it's like yellow and pink. And then I go, it's a baby. I a baby. It. Dot, dot, dot. It's a boy. It'll be loved. And that was the reveal. Sake of on a journey. So I don't know if everybody got what I was trying to do, but I feel like I was making a statement amongst my family of like, you know, it doesn't matter. And I didn't want to use like traditional colors. It was like, you know, so. I think you did did. great. I really, I really, (laughs) I really love that a lot. And it's, it is so hard, like thinking about being a parent too, you know? Yeah. Like, how is that going to be? And, you know, thinking like, well, we can just raise this baby gender neutral. But, like, the reality is, is, like, mm. you know, I don't know. Because I think about myself and I think about how hard sometimes it is to, like, sure. have to keep being, like, no, I'm non-binary. No, don't uh, do this. No, mm-hmm. I'm angry. Oh, you hurt my feelings. You misgendered me. <laughs> and so, like. But I guess maybe hopefully of, yeah. I totally, hopefully we'll have created a world where they won't have to, they would have to deal with that even a little bit less. And sure. it is interesting. It's not, I, I hope to have kids and I would understand if I became a parent, I don't know that I'm like, well, I love my kid no matter what, but I'm just even thinking if like, if my kid, obviously like if my kid's gay, like I don't necessarily, it's a tough road. We, we've lived this queer road. It is a tough road like I love it I love it for myself um but man if I my kid happens to be you know straight person they're gonna have a straight cisgender person they're gonna have an easier road out of them I'm you know like I'm probably not gonna have a a white baby so there's that too (laughs) I mean there you go but I mean you are equipped at least to have better conversations with your child Welcome back to Fireside Chat on KMAX. With me in studio to take your calls is the dopest duo on the West Coast, Oliver Wong and Morgan Rhodes. Go ahead, caller. Hey, uh, I'm looking for a music podcast that's insightful and thoughtful, but like also helps me discover artists and albums that I've never heard of. Yeah, man. Sounds like you need to listen to Heat Rocks every week. Myself and I'm Morgan Rhodes, and my co-host here, Oliver Wong, talk to influential guests about a canonical album that has changed their lives. Guests like Moby, Open Mike Eagle, talk about albums by Prince, Joni Mitchell, and so much more. Yo, what's that show called again? Heat Rocks, deep dives into hot records. Every Thursday on Maximum Fun. that there's not this huge I like that there's not this huge pride celebration right now because it's forcing yeah. us to hit pause on everything I think the world was going too much mm-hmm. right and like even pride was going like I think we we're losing focus on like what you know the purpose of it is and that there's still work to be done and I think with all of the you know the civil rights part you know, I don't even know what part we're on in Civil Rights. Is this Civil Rights 5? Civil Rights is like the Fast and the Furious movies. They're just, it keeps, they keep happening and they keep getting better. <laughs> um, and more diverse. It's yes. so true. Yes. <laughs> so um, I, I, I think that it's allowing us to kind of see, I've been seeing so many of the parallels between 
the histories of the civil rights movement and the gay liberation, queer liberation and, and, and pride, you know? Mm. And I think seeing all the civil unrest so close to when pride month is, is I think people are able to hopefully see those lines and connections. Some people, some people, some white gays are not. No, I'm not surprised. You know what one of them did? One of them, I think I talked about this the other day on the podcast, but anyways, like he was like, oh, you know, I had also, I want to be careful. We're not bashing anybody, you know, like, Oh, it's fine. We can do that. They know who they are. Okay. Yeah. Oh, no, that's totally fine. Okay. Like, I'm okay. not concerned about the feelings of white gays. Lovely. Because um, it's one of those things that, like, if that doesn't apply to you, then you keep going about your business, right? right. Like, if we're like, ooh, Karens, do better. Oh, right, right, right. We also know, like, if your name is Karen, like, mm-hmm. you know that, like, oh, they're not talking about me. Yes. Right? right? You know? You'll know. You'll know. You'll know if it's you. Okay. Yeah. Got it. But thank you. I appreciate you trying to keep, you know, keep <laughs> just cool. like, I don't want nobody like, coming for me again. I'm just kidding. Sorry. That's horrible. Oh, that's, that's fair. Horrible. I, no, but that's, no. that comes with it. That's why I mean, I've stepped back a little bit as this activist and this voice, because like, I feel so like censored. My voice feels so like I, I need to curate. I need to be mindful. I need to pay attention and I overthink it. And right. rather than feeling free in just expressing like, you know, it is this thing of like how I present myself and what I say matters. <laughs> yeah, no, a hundred percent. I think everything that you're saying, I, I get it. I totally do. And I don't want to alienate anybody okay. as well. But sometimes what I do see is for some white gays when yes. they're like, oh, why are black people getting, you know, Juneteenth? They don't need to be a thing. Right. Um, we have they have Black History Month. Why can't we, we have Pride Month? And it's like. For one, like, do you not understand, like, again, it was queer uh, people of color who are, were on the front lines of this movement. Right. And let's not forget that Pride started. It was a it was a it was a protest. It was yes. unrest. It yes. was a march. It was, you know, and then, you know, with ACT UP, Fight AIDS, like there's a very violent like some our protests were have not and were not and don't always need to be peaceful like Mm -hmm. you know riots are the language of the unheard Mm -hmm. um people pay attention you know like you can't ever point to any movement and say oh that what that thing that they did then those sit-ins when they just sat it oh that's what did it Mm -hmm. or oh that rosa parks moment that Mm -hmm. no it was relentless it's a lot of things so you got to try it from like all the different angles true true and we need to change up our band-aids. Did that oh, happen yet? Oh. <laughs> I mean, you know, everyone's hopping on board now saying, look at us. We got to we got to do better. We got to change. We got to change the things. <laughs> it's been it's been too long to have some diverse skin tone band-aids says band-aid about because <laughs> <laughs> it's the brand. So great. Yeah, no, I got you. But, yeah, um, we forget. But yeah. what is the actual name of, of that then? Is it just a bandage? Oh, a bandage. Because like, okay, like Q-tip, because Q-tip isn't, it's Q-tip is the brand. brand. Ear swab. It's, it's a cotton swab. Oh, a cotton swab. Right? I love how you just said it's ear swab. It's a cotton swab. swab. Okay. And uh, or it's just or a swab tissue. The kids are calling them swab tissue. Kleenex. Kleenex is the brand. Just, tissue is right. The product. So if you're like, get me a Kleenex, you're like, I can't. These are well. What's in your hand? A tissue. It's a tissue. Yeah, yeah. so you have to be very careful of, right. like, the copyrights. Um, so <laughs> Band-Aid is the brand. So what am I putting on if I'm not getting a Band-Aid brand, or if I'm not getting a, it's a bandage? I think you're right. It's just the Band-Aid. Okay. 
Ugh, that sounds like painful. But anyway, so they're finally coming up with the time so I can finally mm-hmm. get a Band-Aid brand in my own skin well, tone. Well, with that brand, na- yes, like you said, brand name, right? Because you know yeah. there's one called True Color. and Oh, and they're just multicolor. No, no like they're skin tone. Oh. They're like, they're specifically <laughs> designed and made. It was like a company. Sorry, I went Cindy Lauper, True Colors, and no. I just went Pride. <laughs> I only see in rainbows for Pride Month. Wow, so. wow. Um, <laughs> no, I'm sh- those exist. Those exist, I'm sure. But they do. Like, yeah, I love a colorful bandage. Colorful um, bandage. It's interesting. I didn't realize that that was the issue with band-aids. As a kid, like, I'm, like it wasn't until I got to college and I read uh, Peggy McIntosh's oh. Unpacking the Invisible Knapsack. Okay. And they talk about, like, the white privilege and how white people can have band-aids in their own skin tone. And I didn't even fucking I was like, oh wait, that's why they're the that that's why they're, they're that shade so they could wear a bandage and no one like knows that they like fell out skin their mm-hmm. knee at the playground mm-hmm. like they oh look she looks fine like right. don't look at her knees you can't tell like, anything's wrong concealer you know it's to, to yeah, hide it, the wound to blend into the meanwhile. Skin. I have, like, you know, fallen down the mountain playing, you know, Power Rangers, and I look busted up. There's nothing that's going to, like, nothing going to cover up my heart, you know? No, So this is lovely. See, Mm -hmm. my child can, like, grow up in a a day where no one can tell that they're injured. (laughs) (laughs) I didn't do it. They were playing Power Rangers. I'm a good parent. Don't take my baby. I understand. (laughs) People try to take away my little... People try to take my little baby Chauncey away already. Oh my goodness. Is that- I feel like that oh my goodness was not a, they were taking my baby away, but that my baby's name is Chauncey. Yes, I feel was. like that's. Yes, it was. It was a little judgment. I'm it's a sorry. lot of layers. It's okay. I'm not going to blow up. You can judge me on the pod. I'm not going to blow up your Twitter. Uh, hold on one second. I just go on wow. your Twitter right now. Wow. I don't even use Twitter, so whatever. It's oh, fine. fine. This it's is me. The last thing I just wanted to say is. Um, yes. Bubba Wallace from NASCAR, if you're listening, oh, yeah. I would like to have, well, I, oh. I would like for us to quarantine together for two weeks, and then if we both, like, don't get coronavirus, we can have sex. That's what I'm saying. Lovely. Is that a, we, that's where you gotta do yeah. it. We gotta, that's where you gotta, gotta do a hookup. Can hook we up. get Bubba's info? Can, do we have Yeah, so Bubba's you guys know info? Bubba. I, so Bubba Wallace is the, I didn't know there was a black NASCAR racer. There is. His name is Bubba Wallace. He has been very outspoken about, you know, the Confederate flag, which, I mean, why is that so? Who waves the flag of a treacherous nation and immortalizes it anyways so he was like let's take this shit down nascar's taking it down and then they found like a noose in his garage he'd never seen it but the head of like nascar came and like talked to him and told him that this is what was up um and uh now there was fbi investigation the fbi is recently saying like they concluded their investigation which was really fast they're saying that like oh the noose had already been up there and there's no real proof it is and but something you just touched on was like how fast like action was taken and Mm -hmm. uh, like even though like okay a a trial has been all right or an investigation is now done but like from my understanding they're still going to continue to figure out right even though this was a item that supposedly was just 
already in existence there. Right. Which why was there already a noose in anywhere? Well, well, no, that that the it was rope, just rope. The okay, rope that just like happened. Okay, pull rope for something. I don't know the, the lingo. In it, two, Bubba's def- Bubba never saw it. So anybody, he never actually even never saw it. He was just informed about it. He informed. was informed about it. Yeah. And then, I mean, he's already an activist. Like he was never, he was never looking for this, but this came, you know, with all, like he had to speak out about the Confederate flag. Like it shouldn't be there. This black man should not, not even a black man. No American should have to live underneath that flag. It's the flag of fucking traitors. It should disgust every single fucking person that it's a up with slavery. It's a blemish. It's a time when people tried to uh, rise up to ensure that another race was going to be inferior, you know? Mm-hmm. So they should not be there. Put it in a museum. We'll look at it there. Um, so anyways, the most important thing is he's really hot. I saw him on The right. View. Okay. And he was saying some things I couldn't pay attention because I just was like, oh, boy, it is too hot in here. Come have pride over here, Bubba Wallace. You come right over here. Come oh. come over here, Bubba. Yeah. We love it. Bubba, James, and Chauncey. Oh, see, it rolls right off the tongue. <laughs> Amazing. I can't wait for your family. I can't me wait. either. All right, Bubba, wait. you call me. Aunt Jemima, which I think I have a box of Aunt Jemima pancakes up in my cupboard right now, because uh, it's we've been just so conditioned to like there she is, and so like again like you were saying like all these companies are finally rising up of like oh we've got racist things around, but we all knew that um, no maybe we all did not know that I remember she got but she's gotten a makeover over the years I think the whole entire story of Aunt Jemima is really fucked up because I think as a kid I assumed that it was actually like a black owned business or something mm. it just didn't really the mammy thing hadn't i was sure so it hadn't really resonated mm. but again it's sort of this thing that's the racism is like this ether of a cloud that's always looming around black folks you know mm. and so it's just part of the ether and anyways then they gave her like a makeover they like you know and then they eventually like gave her like took her handkerchief out um and anyways, finally, they're just going to, you know, not call it Aunt Jemima Pancakes. Just call it Pancake Bat or whatever. But some white people are losing their shit. A friend of mine who um, is from Kansas City was following the local, like, uh, Kansas City news on Facebook. And some of those white people are losing their minds. They're like, this is destroying my childhood. I think one person was writing on Twitter that they were like, she was the reason I learned not to hate based on skin color despite civil unrest. Shame on Quaker Oats. I defund you. Oh my gosh. (laughs) He said that I thought that Anjumai was always a comforting and uh, portrayed a strong black woman. (laughs) Making your ass pancakes. The story of the mammy is the woman who takes care of all the white people's kids. Mm -hmm. Right? And it's all fucked up that some white company was like, we're going to sell pancakes. We need a black woman as our mascot. Like, we need a, you know indentured servant oh my gosh oh god to be a fly in the room <laughs> no that's yeah was, you know but um and yeah. uh uncle ben you're uncle next ben. let's get rid of mrs like, butter buttersworth too uh, right or no am i wrong isn't she just like a white woman uh, oh but she's married <laughs> but why she gotta be married can't she be like Ms. Butterworth? Like Ms. Right Ms. Butterworth? Like, can't she be her own person? Like, why has she got to be married? 
single women can't make pancakes. <laughs> and there we go. There we go. I could really use a... Or Mr. Oh Butterworth. I will get his pancakes. I That's will make Mr. Butterworth... I just Butterworth. get frozen waffles. Oh, done. Case closed. I'll get Mr. Butterworth pancakes to make it for me and Bubba and Chauncey. Yum. Hey, I'm Jared Hill, co-host of the brand new Maximum Fun podcast, Fan Time. And I'm Travel Anderson. I'm the other more fabulous co-host. And the reason you really should be tuning in. I feel the nausea rising. To be Fan is to be a big fan of something, but also have some challenging or anti-feelings toward it. Kind of like Kanye. We're all fans of Kanye. He's a musical genius, but like, you know. He thinks slavery is a choice. Or like the Real Housewives of Atlanta. Like, I love the drama, but do I want to see black women fighting each other on screen? Ew, to We're tackling all of those complex and complicated conversations about the people, places, and things that we love. Even though they may not love us back. Fanti, Maximum Fun, podcast. Da-da-da-da-da, Pride. But we need like a pride song. Pride. Also, okay, you asked me <laughs> earlier about pride and how I feel about <laughs> celebrating it. And I feel like I just pride, had like pride. a, not the best, like, solid answer. But it just something in me just doesn't feel like I'm... Doing pride. Right. Like, to, well, to celebrate Well, because we're in the middle it. of a pandemic. Absolutely. That makes sense. But that's why I want us to celebrate it now like this is our pride we are your pride we're the first float coming down okay i hope people but i also think like this year pride it's a more of a like a a reflection i think like people should really be taking in media understanding history getting back to the roots of it yes because there's still there's still so much more work to be done and i think that gay marriage was a false start getting that because it's like okay great but there's still more work to be done right like so, in honor of Pride, I wanted to take a look at the mothers. I was going to talk about the mothers of the movement, plural. I was going to talk about, uh, we talked about it years ago on the podcast, five years ago, in fact, Marsha P. Johnson and Sylvia Rivera. But I was combing through the archives of the Googles, and there was so much information about Marsha P. Johnson, so we are just going to focus on her I also watched and highly recommend The Death and Life of Marsha P. Johnson on Netflix. Very interesting. And I will say it's honestly just the tip of the iceberg. And it actually really, because you can't tell the story of Marsha P. Johnson without talking about Sylvia Rivera as well. And so Sylvia Rivera features in it. There's footage with her. And it's essentially this woman, uh, this transgender woman going on this journey to figure out what happened to Marsha P. Johnson, which we'll get into. So... You maybe also two five years ago we had talked about uh, there was this movie called Stonewall and I hope nobody saw it because it was directed by Roland Emmerich and it was essentially just sort of like a it was putting this white twink as the face of the Stonewall like rebellion the riot the Stonewall uprising and the riots and that's just so unfactually correct that's just uh fake news <laughs> i hate saying that phrase um that's just dumb and incorrect <laughs> okay it's just not a truth because also to a fun fact about the stonewall is that mostly the folks that were there was mostly like uh like sex workers and just the street it was a very you're not going to see like a lot of just like twinky gays there it just wasn't the sort of scene for that so the street boys, as they're called. I don't know if they call them that, but I am. But 
And Marsha B. Johnson is kind of there in Stonewall, the movie, like, blink and you'll miss her. So don't go see that movie. So Marsha B. Johnson, like, we cannot talk about Pride without Marsha B. Johnson because, again, just the mother of the movement. And what's fun is recently New York had announced that it's going to build a monument to honor uh, John, uh, Marsha P. Johnson and Sylvia Rivera right outside the uh, Stonewall. I believe it near the Stonewall. So, which I think is dope. And again, like we're looking for like, you know, there's a big conversation about statues and statues really, we put up statues for the moment, right? When they make, when they mean something for a culture, right? And some of our statues just don't really uphold. We know truths. Christopher Columbus, he was an asshole. He was a terrible, terrible human being. Get his fucking statue down. And some of the statues especially the Confederate ones didn't come up until like the sixties or the fifties or the forties. They didn't come up after civil war. They came up as a statement to scare black people and to make a point. So there's so many historical figures that we can be putting statues and monuments up to societies grow. They change. Let's adapt them. So do you know who Marsha P. Johnson is? I mean, I watched that documentary, so at oh, least okay. that is well, you, one you, I watched. Mm, 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 you got that. So Marsha was an activist, a drag artist, a sex worker, an advocate for sex workers, helped to found one of the country's first safe spaces for transgender and homeless youth. And as we've been talking today, I've been mentioning like sex worker and stuff like that. It's because I, too, want to destigmatize that and, again, to highlight for some trans folks, especially trans women, sometimes the only jobs that they could get and they could have. And ain't nothing wrong with sex work, okay? Sex work, two, two of the oldest professions, storytelling and sex workers. And essentially we would have the sex and tell the stories. Or tell the stories and have the sex. Like, I don't know what came first. Chicken or the egg. Ain't no shame in that, mm-hmm. okay? True. So, and also Sylvia was just like a pinnacle of the uh, New York Greenwich Village life and culture for like three decades. And a key figure in the events that followed the police raid on the Stonewall Inn in June 28th, 1969. And that uprising went on for six days. The queers fought Back that day, rumor has it, one of my old, my queer theater professor told us that, so Julie, Judy Garland had just died like five or six days earlier on June 22nd. And so like, they had just picked the wrong time to mess with these queens. Like, they're like, there's just a lot of emotions happening that week. And Silver Rivera, there was a quote that uh, I think Marsha had said, you know, we were... We were throwing over cars and screaming in the middle of the street because we were so upset because they closed that place and we were just saying no more police brutality. We had had enough police harassment in the village and other places because I think the police had just raided the Stonewall Inn like the day before. And I'll get to like why they would do that specifically to gay bars if you don't know. Mm -hmm. So let's take it back. So being black and poor, gay, and gender non-conforming, Johnson knew more than most about what it means to be marginalized. And I think that's why it's important for us to, when we talk about queer folks, to really look at, like, or when we're talking about equality and equity, let's look at the most marginalized and fight for their rights, because once they have equity and equality, then we know, whew, we're there. Correct. That's where we should really focus and start. Yes. The Johnson was the fifth of seven children. The time was born as Malcolm Michaels Jr. to Mal- Malcolm Michaels Sr. in Alberta, New Jersey, and had a temptuous Christian childhood around and around the age of five, began to dress as a girl 
and her desire for traditional feminine clothing quickly drew a reprimand from her father, who was a General Motors assembly line worker, and the um, her mother was a housekeeper. Um, and this is well from larger society. I mean, this is like, you know, back in the day. There's a lot of, you know, what is this? Even though, as disclosure plug, will show that like trans folks have been around since the dawn of time. Like, this is nothing new. This isn't nothing new. So after graduating from Thomas A. Edison High School in 1963, Johnson moved to New York's Greenwich Village with $15 in a bag of clothes. Can you imagine <laughs> the hoopsfa, right? Like, that sounds like I moved to New York with like, you know, a few thousand dollars saved up, you know? <laughs> right? $15. Like, here we go, world. Let's, let's go. Yes. That's right. Uh, okay. <laughs> so, but then, I mean, this isn't going to surprise you with $15 in a bag of clothes. Uh, she was homeless, right? Like, right. you're not uh, so livable. Yeah. Right. But knew she needed to be into New York, turned to prostitution to, to sur- prostitution to survive, and found a like minded community in uh, that body nightlife on Christopher Street. Mm. So, Again, there just wasn't a lot of how, like, again, there's not a lot of work for trans, openly transgender folks or queer, even queer people. Like, if you couldn't pass, you could be fired. It's honestly up until recently uh, that you yes. could, you know, still be fired. So yeah, what was it, like, in half of the states or something but that was still yeah, legal? Yeah, you could still be fired for, which is, I mean, I feel just so blessed. We both have lived in, like, San Francisco, Chicago, and New York. Oh, totally. So, like... You know, Absolutely. it's such a world not removed. And just hearing stories of people being like, I would go to work and I was scared. I mean, yeah, you know, right. Or they had to be mindful of what they posted Seriously. on, you know, social medias. Or... I mean, absolutely. And then this is a tangent that we don't have to get into. No, but like, in tangents addi- are welcome well, on I, Minority Corner. I know you say that every time. <laughs> but um, <laughs> I love a tangent. But, but no, no, no. It just it, It's parallel to the um, Supreme Court ruling that happened with protection for, you know, LGBTQ plus folks. But with the medical, like, healthcare mm, things and, like, that mm-hmm. being, like, revoked and, like, being taken away and, like, access to like medical um care and health yes and right that, like that's a reality for a lot of people but again that is something that i am so blessed and fortunate to like yes live right. in states and cities that like there is like lgbtq like affirming care and yeah that's just not always the case though and like now that that's people are again lives are in jeopardy of like again just killing and killing and killing us and finding more ways to do that with yeah. denying people like medical um, care, I feel like I said medical care like seven hundred. Well, times. that's driving home the point. Medical care, <laughs> medical and the key word of medicine, it is care. care. The medical needs Health. to care. Okay, Health. medical. Hello, medical <laughs> care, and I mean it's a basic human right, you know. I mean, especially right now in this pandemic, how are people people want to get tested that someone could be turned away? Yes, I, I hunt. Yeah, it's and so it's a shameful thing that it's. You it should all be incredibly upset and disappointed that we're still here. And you watch these, and you watch folks even in you know pose back in like the late 80s and early 90s having to still confront these issues that we're still dealing with like absolutely 30 fucking years later it's 2020 and look yeah we're still here it's still and yes yeah what's new so nothing's uh, changed sorry i'm sorry okay (laughs) no yes yes we okay there here we go here we go tell me more about so let's tell you how marcia got 
I'm uh, I'm gonna tell you how Marsha got her name. So she switched names repeatedly and was establishing her own uh, persona. Uh, you know, first you know, born Malcolm, but then became Black Marsha. I think it's very interesting. Like, mm. which Marsha? The black one. Black Marsha. <laughs> mm. Sort of like a superhero name when it was like, you know, Black Lightning or Black Panther, uh, Black Mariah, which is the actual comic book villain. Oh. <laughs> that was in Luke Cage that Alfred Woodard played, but they just called him Mariah. Very good. Updated. See how you can update things for the new very times? Good. Like, ooh, we don't do that anymore. Mm-hmm. But anyway, she landed on Marsha P. Johnson. Johnson came because she loved to eat at that famous restaurant, the Howard Johnson. And uh, the P came from pay it no mind, because that was her saying. Pay it no mind to all the haters that there'd be like an antagonizer. She was just like, pay it no mind. So Avi, when you get those haters on social media, pay Pay it it no no mind. mind. Pay it no mind. That should just be the theme of Pride this year. Love it. So... June 28th, 1969, became, she became one of the faces of the queer revolution. So um, she went from her own party to the Stonewall and in on that day. Um, she got there after the Stonewall riot had begun, although she had been credited with throwing the first heel. Um, but looks like she got there a bit later. It's very, some people credit her with throwing the first heels. Some people say she got there a little bit later. But... She was up in the mix and continued the fight thereafter. But why did the riot happen or the uprising? I'm only using the word riot. Mm. I feel like because these folks had been antagonized. They were uprising and Mm. starting a movement. So the queer community had been frequently targeted by the NYPD. Back then, bars were run by the mafia. Uh, They were the only places that would operate um, gay bars, queer bars, queer places, because it was essentially illegal to be in these bars or establishments. And they were routinely hassled, arrested. Sometimes they would be notified that the papers, like they would be like, we're going to do a bust. And the papers would be there to snap people's photos and people would be going out to jail and they'd lose their jobs. They'd lose their families, you know, um, by, you know, this harassment on this day. Again, this was the second time in two days that they had busted up the Stonewall Inn. They were like, not today, Satan, not today. And Johnson said, um, and see, this account said that she was there because this, she says that she and her, they were, they were forced out onto the street to line up and be frisked the night before. Oh, okay. Yeah. 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 This is what happened. So she was there the night before and she said that they were forced out into the street to be lined up and frisked. And then that night she returned and she saw everything was like up and ablaze and she jumped up in there and the uprising went on for six days, six days, right? Kept going. And, um, Someone, Robert Hyde, remembers that Marshall played a pivotal night, a pivotal role um, in the riots. He said that he saw her in the middle of the whole thing, screaming and yelling and throwing rocks. Oh, he said almost like Molly Pitcher in the revolution. I don't know who she is, but go her. Look her up. (laughs) And then Hyde and several others interviewed uh, for David Carter's book, Stonewall, claims that Marsha was the person who really started it on the first night of the riot. So again, she must have been doing something because a lot of people credit her um, with it. And then Sylvia Rivera also recalls that the night of the Stonewall riot, she said, Sylvia Rivera, Latinx transgender woman, who says that this was started by the queens of that era, which I was a part of, Marsha B. Johnson, and many others that are not here. Mm. So the Stonewall riots 
had become the spark that lighted, you know, the uh, the gay rights movement, the, the queer movement, the transgender rights movement, activism, and through their efforts. So through that, they then helped. So that was the then the year after 1970 is when we have the first Pride Parade, and they helped lead that and just become these sort of pinnacle icons of of the movement, which we'll put a pin for a, for a period, right? Mm-hmm. <sighs> yeah, it's that heavy sigh. You know, I'm about oh. to get frustrated. But yeah. along with Sylvia Rivera, she started the Star uh, founded Star Street Transvestite Action revolutionaries see how things change because that would not be the name of it today sure but that was the that was the term that was the language that was what they had that's what we had that's what we use but okay Okay. and so it was an organization to support trans folks which it offered housing to homeless and transgender youth it clothed them it uh, fed them housed them um, and advocated for transgender youth from a tenement in the lower east side so then in 1972 they start seeing resistance and there's a, in the documentary, you can, uh, I don't know if you remember this, like um, there's pushback against transgender women and transgender folks in the community that there was a sort of a face that they really wanted for the gay liberation movement, you know? Mm-hmm. And meanwhile, you had these folks who were fighting for the equality and rights of everybody in the community who had been pushed aside and you see like there's a clip where Sylvia Rivera is trying to get up on the stage at the uh, pride protest and she gets booed off the stage I mean the fucking mother of the movement is getting booed off the stage because they didn't want the movement to look you know I feel like in disclosure they talk about this where unfortunately the history of America is assimilation you know like all these different groups and cultures just wanting for assimilation, we had talked about this sort of survival, right? Mm-hmm. And wanting to be people who want to be accepted and loved. And sometimes, unfortunately, society doesn't accept you and love you if you're different than outside of the norm. When it's like, no, we should love these differences, not be scared of these differences. So, so you start getting a very narrow look of the LGBTQ, you know, movement where it's you know, white man, mm-hmm. gay white man, mm-hmm. you know. Um, and so they got kind of pushed aside, although um, I think eventually, eventually kind of people re- remembered their history and, 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 and around the time of the 90s, especially during um, AIDS activism, where they were very vocal and pushing the forefront, they uh, really were swept back into the movement. But so they were, you know, they're, they're these pioneering activists and they were concerned about the dangers specifically that, you know, face transgender people who are often forced into prostitution to support themselves, like we were saying. Um, they created the first LGBT youth shelter um, in uh, in North America and the first organization in the United States led by trans women of color, uh, according to the Global Network of Sex Work Projects. And they were dedicated to just helping the lives of others. Unfortunately, uh, Marsha B. Johnson suffered from mental health breakdowns. She was often in and out of psychiatric hospitals. And I can, like, I mean, I can't even imagine being in her shoes. There's so much going on. And you don't have, again, even the language or the culture to even support. There's so much fighting on a daily basis. I mean, constantly being triggered every minute yeah. of every day. Yeah. I mean, and then and and then also maybe even like within your own community, not finding a home absolutely. fully there. Absolutely. Holy yeah. fuck. Right. And then let's add in, you know, being intersectional as mm-hmm. well, mm-hmm. being, you know, trans women of color. And then it was later found out that she had tested positive for yeah HIV positive. Mm-hmm. And um, 
Marsha P. Johnson said to see gay liberated and free, to see gay people liberated and free and to have equal rights that other people have in America with her gay brothers and sisters out of jail and out on the streets again. That was like one of the things she was fighting for. She also started the gay liberation or she was heavily involved in GLF, which was the gay liberation front. Um, They sought political action and protection for citizens based on their sexual orientation or behavior against oppressive laws and unequal ethics. In 1970s, a newspaper title come out stated gay liberation front welcomes any gay person, regardless of sex, race, age, uh, or social behavior. So they were doing a lot of pioneering work uh, with that community. She was also friends with Andy Warhol, who caught her eye through her style and her larger-than-life personality. Icon. Which is interesting. Mm-hmm. Huh? What? Icon. That's what... Sorry. Icon. Well, Marcia yeah. That's what my girlfriend yes. always says, that it's one of my favorite yeah. things that she does when we're talking about, like, these... Um, people <laughs> that are like you yeah. know poc and just like amazing and doing all these things but anyways i was just saying icon yeah <laughs> yes uh an icon your hands right and like again like i think had been cut out of the community and the narrative for way too long and i think well i'll get to this but i really think like her dying at the age that she did is way too young and it was a failure on the community's part as well yeah so Funny thing is, she was this, uh, you know fashion icon. She got most of her outfits from the bins. She <laughs> she wore bright red heels. She got what she could. She had costume jewelry. She yes. had colorful wigs. Would wear artificial fruit. Yes. She can't sing, but she would mm. try to sing. And she was also part of a drag group called Hot Peaches. And her work can also be found. You can find pictures of her in Warhol's 1975 Polaroids, ladies and gentlemen. Mm. Uh, she was also a tireless advocate for the HIV and AIDS patients. Um, she was diagnosed in 1990. She was associated with ACT UP. And she worked to help homeless young people, you know, who make up, you know, now the numbers are like 40% of the homeless youth population are uh, queer, overly represented in that demographic. And she, you know, fought for everybody while fighting her own demons and her own mental illness. And, and she died at, at 46. Her body was found on July 6, 1992, in mm-hmm. the Hudson River. It was ruled a suicide by the NYPD really quickly. So, But if you watch the documentary of the life and death of Marsha B. Johnson, um, this woman is trying to find out what really happened because... People are like, you know, she was, it didn't add up that that would have happened. And you can, they talked to the woman who last saw Marsha, they were going to go meet up. And it just didn't seem like she was in that sort of a a place in a way. And that people had seen that she was actually being um, chased or harassed by these um, uh, folks. So she was working the corners and then she got into a car that they were like, oh, I hope she doesn't get into that car. Those guys are really you know, aggressive. And then someone said that they maybe saw her running at one point around say the peers. And um, so it's just, it's, it's, it's heartbreaking. And to just sort of bring this again, full circle of, uh, you know, according to 2019, 331 trans and uh, gender diverse people were killed across the world. In 2019, advocates tracked at least 27 deaths of at least transgender or gender non-conforming people in the U.S. due to fatal violence, the majority of whom were black transgender women. And see, rarely are, is, is justice served for when these transgender women are murdered. Um, it, it's very challenging for there to end up being convictions or finding police who actually care. 
Um, in sometimes even the treatment if they try to run for help, not just the murders, but what about the ones who um, experience violence and going towards the police who sometimes just don't see them as human, so don't really follow up with those cases. Or there's been cases where, you know, these men, they'll get slaps on the wrist for murdering human beings. But because the justice system doesn't see these women as fully human, justice doesn't get served. And that's why, you see, black trans lives matter. They have to matter. They, too, matter. There's a failure within... The, you know, LGBTQ, that has to mean something. And I think that everybody really needs to um, stick up for our all of our entire community and be allies with intersectional allyship needs to be a thing and that, that support there. And we would be nowhere for these folks who they couldn't hide, they couldn't pass, they had to fight because they had the... They, they had to. They had to fight. They were fighting for their lives. And also didn't give two shits. They're such ball. They're so ballsy because they're like, I fucking lost everything else. Let's go. Here's a heel in the face. Right. Icon. What? Icon. I just said it again. <laughs> oh, yeah, we know Icon. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, stop it. <laughs> she just oh, catches your breath stop. so much. You're just like, Icon. There's like nothing stop else it. to say. And like, when an icon yeah. dies, it should be a full investigation. Like, I couldn't, could you imagine? But I guess, like, you know, we don't really know who killed Martin Luther King. Like, it's interesting, like, how. I don't know. Like, it should have been so much more of a full... Listen, if some white lady thought on the well, we would have, you know, figured all that shit out of, like, how that happened and probably some black guy would have been accused of it and it sure. wouldn't have been true. But anyways, going off on a tangent. But it's interesting, though, like, how people didn't give two shits then and still, you know, black trans women specifically are killed today and it doesn't get the attention that it absolutely, you know, deserves. And so mm. I really bring a call to arms for the community to remember its roots and solidarity, especially this pride season. Uh, to remember that fire because cool gay marriage has passed, but there's still so many more in our community whose, you know, rights are being threatened or have, are not even there that we need to still stay active and activated because they fought for us and we need to continue fighting for them. Absolutely. And I was just thinking like, yeah, just to take a moment to say thank you, Marsha P. Johnson. Thank you. Yes. Silvia, Silvia Rivera. Yes. Thank you. Um, all the Queens that were there present engagement fighting in this uprising. And yeah, Stonewall. Stonewall. We stand on their shoulders. We're able yeah. to dance and have a great time when we can do that again because of them. We are having this conversation on this podcast because of the work that they did. Truly, we are thankful. We are thankful. We are thankful for this. No more violence. No more songs. A mash up. Get it out of here. Hate no more. What was that one song? Whoa, we used to do that one mashup that was like all over the place. Oh gosh, who knows? It was who knows, and I was like from West Side Story. Who yeah. knows? Could it be? Here goes and desire without a turn. Tell me desire without a turn. Who knows? Who knows? Okay, 
recently, I recorded a reading of a new play to be streamed online June 27th. Oh, I don't know how long it's going to be up, but uh, it's through playbill.com for pride plays. There you go. Happy pride uh, through Rattlestick Playwrights Theater. And actually the event benefits Broadway Cares Equity Fights AIDS. So they're raising money and donations for that. Uh, you can follow me on Instagram at amroque uh, or my website, aviroque.com. And then last thing, I promise, support Latinx, queer, trans authors and stories. And I'm gonna say, you gotta pre-order Cemetery Boys by Aiden Thomas because yes, it is truly such a phenomenal, heartfelt, like young adult novel, but also another shameless plug. I am the narrator of the audiobook. <laughs> so what? please support. Way to bury the lead. You have yeah. an audiobook? Yeah. Fuck yes. Congratulations. Aww, That's thanks, like a boo. dream. Thanks, That's boo. like, oh man, how many hours did that take? Three days. And it was like full. Wow. With a day of pickups. It was three or four days with one day of pickups. But it was like full and days. Just it was reading like, that book. I was there from 10 to like four. And is it is it um, fiction or nonfiction? Oh my goodness. It's nonfiction. I always forget which Me one too. is which. Nonfiction means like it's not real. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god do why i do i, they ask do, I yes, do i no, read books fiction, clearly fiction means that it's a, fiction means that it's not real non-fiction it's i know it doesn't seem like it makes sense fiction to me it seems like it should mean that it's real but no this is fiction terrible is... please cut this out and please can we accurately say oh my gosh we need to look this up we are googling we are googling fiction is we real i'm pretty this. sure fiction is though yes. there's a fact check non-fiction is prose writing that is based on fact real events facts and real people. yes right so yeah. fiction is not yes yes correct. so the book was fiction so cemetery boys is fiction oh but how fun because i bet it's like a story and you've got to get into like you know you've got to bring the, oh, the characters like, the stories it has to do with emotion. like it has to take place over dia de los muertos and like <gasps> there's uh, yadriel who is the protagonist a trans latinx boy who is brings a ghost back from the dead because they're all bru bru brujexes or brujos yeah. brujas so they're all witches yes. that's like their family and the culture and so and they live in a cemetery but anyways it has it's this whole like journey that Yadriel and his cousin Maritza go on um summoning this ghost uh and trying to figure out what to do I fucking love that how yeah. was it to do like for one doing an audiobook and two getting to do that kind of material, I, I think you've been very fortunate. Like you're not like always just doing like I don't know what was it the J C Penney's commercial or what was the one with Mike Ditka? <laughs> Are you talking about Overstock.com? Yes. Yes. There we go. I remember the shirts were red and like J C Penney's used this like oh, red, but God. like no, like I like so. But then like I feel like you get to do material that really. But sometimes you know we have to you know make that coin and do the other things. But to be able to do get to a story like this, like how was that experience? It was so emotional and like just really yeah. like again, right? It's like something that I didn't have access to or anything growing up. Like literally, <sighs> James. Like I didn't know anything about trans, transgender, or being trans until I was in Chicago which was right. after college. And yeah. like, other than that, I had no reference or no knowledge yeah. or no awareness. But obviously to like be able to lend my voice to this like story and this narrative, it's 
really it's a big deal and it means a lot and I just feel really happy and excited and touched and moved that and grateful for the opportunity. Oh my god, yeah. Don't buy the physical copy of the book. Get the audio <laughs> Okay, book. Like, buy, we're okay. supporting that. <laughs> buy we're the supporting physical that. and get the audio. Okay, get the both, but make sure you get at least the audiobook because like I can't wait. I love audiobooks. I've got my Audible subscription. I've yes. hung out with Michelle Obama. I've hung out with uh, Hillary Clinton. And now I'm about to hang out with you oh, for a Cemetery Boys. I love it. And I've actually been looking for a fiction book. Like yeah. I don't do a lot of fiction. Yeah. Um, and you're just after because I mean like uh, what's his face like Joe Morton he's a you know big time actor he's he's doing the uh, 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 one for the Ta-Nehisi Coates book that I'm listening to mm. the for the alchemist Jeremy Irons who you know he's a big time actor he also did the voice of Scar he was in um, uh, the Watchmen and so you're in that league and game. And did you do it during a quarantine? Yes, it was very, very, Yay, yes, it was so very, you're getting very work. Safe. Yes, I did. During quarantine. Did, so that's I so did. cool. Yeah. Good thing you got a mic. Did you do it from your apartment? Oh, no. Actually, they did get me. A, it was a studio, but I worked with one engineer okay. at the studio. And okay. you're like isolated and separated yeah. like more than six but feet. I'm in a tiny Room. Since I made you buy that microphone, now you've got something for some uh, like it's so for, true. Uh, auditions and things like that. So it's a good you have to have a mic. Great so. investment because I do want to get more into voiceover work, and I feel like that is what keeps knocking on my door these opportunities. So I need yes. to just take the plunge and really invest in the equipment that uh, will help support this work. Yeah. And down because they can hear they're like oh, oh this sounds good okay all right exactly. you know like you don't want just to be like hey it's me look at you pop your piece I will apply I wish you the best of luck I I have uh, I've auditioned for some really sh- like audio things I should not have been auditioning for like I they're like audition like some goblin on a Nickelodeon kids show or something or like an ogre dad oh like I've gotten a lot there's like this kids show that my yes. agent kept trying to pitch me for I'm but it was like all though. these like and I'm like what am I I don't know and I just I went for it I'd be like hello kiddies yeah or, hey, I love it I'm your ogre dad I love that. You... <laughs> yeah. I would cast you they were missing oh out God, they are missing out <laughs> Oh my god! Well, that Aww. is so great, Avi. Thank you so much for coming to the show. Yeah. We always love having you. Happy Pride, happy all the things. Yes, and we're gonna get the audio book. Yes. You know, I just want to say that, like, you know, I am here as a non-black, Latinx, trans, non-binary, queer person for Black Lives, and like, I also know, like, it's not about, like, you were saying, it's not just about me or like my people's struggles. You have to look at the most marginalized and like what the movement is right now, and the struggles of the Black community are my struggles. And there is this uh, phrase that I keep seeing, but it's tu lucha es mi lucha, which is your struggle is my struggle. And it's true. I love that. And I know that you want to like end on that, but it made me think of something that maybe I'll use this every day. Well, but it, it it's for the first time that I've been realizing of like, cause I honestly have been with, I will lump black and brown people together. I'm like, oh sure. yeah, we're all in the struggle. We're on the struggle. Sure. And what I've realized is like, oh, no, our struggle is a little bit different. Our history is a little bit different. And it's been interesting to see Latinx friends of mine realize, like, support. And not like they are realizing it, but they've just been supporting me in a way of, like, 
Oh, I didn't realize that we weren't on the same level of struggle, I guess. Mm -hmm. It's just been very interesting. Mm -hmm. And I really appreciate like my, again, like I've just been kind of seeing where everybody really is in this equality and equity sort of race. And um, I just really applaud like all the support of people also recognizing like, I think we all, I think a lot of us maybe were caught up in like, oh yeah, black and brown, we're all in the struggle together. And I think it's also it helps to sort of clear out where the real focus is when folks say, Oh no, that's where the attention is. Same thing for myself as like, you know, I'm a cisgender man. And so I'm looking at like, as I'm really enjoying taking in stories that focus on transgender folks, like watching disclosure, making a list of all these movies that I've not seen that I want to see. Um, and it's, it's it makes me feel more pride like it makes me feel more queer more like I'm having pride by focusing on transgender stories because like in some ways like I don't know like watching a story about gay men it's not enough to a certain degree like it's like it's so it's just like two white gay men like get out of here that's like so mainstream you know right. like it's gotta it's not um it's not active enough it's not punching down the pavement and the door enough so. Yes. I'm right there yes. with you. I, su- I support you and I, Aww. you know, you support me and That's we right. ally together. That's right. That's right. I love we you. We all in this together. That's a weird song oh, to gosh, end on, no. but it's pride. I love and all of them you. Are... I, I love you. Uh, oh gosh. We just make a song. Was that a song from House High Musical? No. From Ho- House Side? Oh, because I never saw it. It was too old. No. You're the best. Okay. Gotta go. Okay. Just kidding. <laughs> it's been fair, great. Fair. Um... <laughs> Well, I hope you are feeling the pride love. I know I definitely was after this conversation. I've been having a very beautiful pride week. A little bummed. I'm not going to have like the big pride and celebrations, but doing a lot of uh, introspection as a queer person and as an intersectional queer person. And also, you know, looking at like what else is needed for the movement. Where can I be putting my focus and activism and attention to? So I think it's good that we're having this moment to quiet all down time for the fact check not much because we were just on point with all the facts or not just i guess we just didn't mention a lot of random things that we just didn't really know about or we googled googled on the spot i did i guess i want to mention this the director of birth of a nation i kind of want to throw up saying their name on the podcast i feel like it's like voldemort but w d w griffith so that comes up in trivia who was the asshole who made birth of a nation you'll know You'll know. We mentioned Molly Pitcher, and I was like, I don't know who the fuck that is. Well, thank you, Google, because Molly Pitcher was actually not a single historical figure, but a composite folk hero inspired by the actions of different people, most of them women who carried water to troops during the revolution. So women filling this role on the battlefield may have generally been referred to by this nickname. Way to not remember her name, fellas. They're like, oh, yeah, that Molly Pitcher over there. Huh? But there were two real women in particular who have been associated with the legendary, with the legend of Molly Pitcher. And that's Mary Ludwig Hayes, Mary, Lud, Mary Ludwig Hayes Macaulay. Don't judge. So she's been married a few times. Whatever. And Margaret Corbin shorter name i'd also like to point out you know we it's such a wonder so many wonderful conversations uh, around you know trans issues and i would like to point out that there are two funds that are being named for nina pop and tony mcdade and they're going to provide free therapy sessions for black transgender folks and just to review nina pop was a black trans woman who was killed in early may and tony mcdade was a black trans man fatally shot by the tallahassee 
police. So wanting to I put the link, I'll put the link in the show notes wanting to reference that for you. Also, I'll put a link to the gender reveal video that I made. If you would like to see what it is that I did, feel free to yeah, feel free to use it. You know, show me some love. Uh, go for it. So happy Pride, you all. I hope everybody does something to uplift um, themselves, their queerness, the queer community, their uh, friends or family members who are queer. Do a little something for somebody this weekend or or yourself. Uh Celebrate pride in some way because there, it's a it's a really beautiful thing. Definitely to to pump our fists in the air and also thinking about where we're, where we've been and where we're going to go. It's a really exciting time. So stay safe out there. I love you all and thank you so much for listening to Minority Corner because together we're the majority. Happy Pride! MaximumFun.org Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Audience supported.